Section 15 of The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2, by Charles E. Flandrau. Section 15, La Crosse. There is nothing remarkable in the fact that places should be named for something that has happened in or about their locality, and nothing is more natural than that places on the upper Mississippi River should be named after Indians and Indian occurrences. For instance, we have Prairie du Chien, which is the French for the dog prairie. In early days, an Indian chief, who sailed under the dignified name of the dog, had his headquarters at this prairie, and thus the name. It will be observed that it has maintained its name in full, Prairie du Chien, and was in days past a military post called Fort Crawford, and is now quite an important town in Wisconsin. A little way up the river, and we have Prairie La Crosse, but the first part of the name is generally dropped now, and is known as La Crosse simply. No old settler, however, who dates back of the fifties, ever calls it anything but Prairie La Crosse. This place got its name from the fact that the Indians selected it as a favorite point at which to play their game, known to them as Tecopsicopi, but called by the French La Crosse. Anyone who has been there and is familiar with the prairie on which the city of La Crosse is built will recognize at once its superior advantages for a game of ball of any kind. It is long, wide, and level. This game has always been a great favorite with the Sioux Indians. It originated with them and became what might be called their national game. From its spirited character, it was very much liked by the Canadian French, and they adopted it to such an extent that it is called their national game, but under an entirely different name. They called it lacrosse and are still devoted to it. In fact, it is played very generally throughout the northern half of North America. In playing the game, the Indians used a stick made of ash about the length of a walking cane, with a circular bend at the end most distant from the hand, in which curve was a network of buckskin strings, forming a pocket about four inches in diameter and two inches deep. With this stick, which is called a Taki Capsicha. The ball is manipulated. The ball is of wood, round and about the size of a hen's egg, and in the game must never be touched by the hand. The Canadians have changed the form of stick used by them by making it longer and forming the end that takes the ball something like half of a tennis racket. The site of lacrosse was in early years the favorite ball ground of the Indians and from this circumstance acquired its present name. The game is too well known to need a description. Suffice it to say that the main object is to get the ball to certain goals by two contending parties, struggling in different directions. In its main features, it resembles hockey, polo, football, and similar games, but with the Indians differs in point of the numbers who play, the whites being limited to 11 or 12 on a side, while with the Indians a whole band may play on each side. 
when the sioux were moved west of the mississippi they selected the beautiful prairie on which now stands st peter in this state as one of their most favored ball grounds and many a time i have enjoyed witnessing the game at that locality and a most brilliant and exciting scene it presented the sioux like most savages are great gamblers and the first thing in the game is to put up the stakes which is done in this way a committee is appointed by each contesting party as stakeholders they assemble at a designated point on the prairie and await results presently up will come an indian and put up a pony he will soon be followed by a competitor who will cover his pony with another decided to be of the same value then up will come another and put up a rifle or a feather headdress or a knife all of which will be matched from the other side until all the bets are made if the players are numerous the stakes will accumulate until almost everything known as property in indian life will be ventured it sometimes takes several days to arrange these preliminaries a pleasant afternoon is selected and the contestants appear they are usually very nearly naked having on only moccasins a breech clout and a headdress the two latter articles being susceptible of ornamentation are usually adorned with eagle feathers foxtails or a string of sleigh bells about the player's waist the men are painted in the most grotesque and fantastic manner it is not unusual to see some of them painted blue or yellow all over their persons and before the paint has dried it is streaked with their fingers in zigzag fashion from head to foot sometimes up and down and sometimes zebra fashion a yellow face with the imprint of a black or blue open hand diagonally upon it is much affected in fact the greater the ingenuity displayed in savage design and glaring colors the more satisfied the subject seems to be with himself and the more admired by others when the players are all lined up they present a striking appearance about six on each side take the center from which the ball is to be started and the rest scatter themselves over the prairie for half a mile in each direction to speed the ball should it come their way all ready one two three and up goes the ball into the air and as it falls up goes each taki capsicha in an endeavor to catch it and so skillful are the men that it is very often caught in the little pocket while in the air which is a great advantage as the party catching it has the right if he can to throw it in the direction of his friends and with a free chance it is like throwing a ball out of a sling i have seen one sent nearly a quarter of a mile if the game opens in this way there is of course a great rush by the partisans to capture the ball and keep it moving one way or the other but if at the first toss-up it falls to the ground there is a tussle of all the middle men to see which one shall get it with his stick that puts civilized football in the shade shins are whacked men are tripped and piled on to each other in the utmost confusion until some lucky fellow extricates the ball from the mass and sends it flying towards a group of his friends the sioux are splendid runners and sometimes when twenty or thirty of them will be in full chase of the ball a leading man will tumble and the whole line will pile over him but no matter how rough or boisterous the sport may be i have never known a quarrel to grow out of it there must be rules to this effect governing the game such as they have in a japanese wrestling match 
where the parties, before tackling each other, sprinkle salt between them, which is a pledge that even a broken neck will not interrupt friendship. I think I have seen more feats of wonderful skill in running, jumping, and catching in a game of this kind than in any play of a similar nature I have ever witnessed. No one who has seen the Indians play a good game of Takapsikapi has ever forgotten it. Major Eastman of the old army, who was quite an artist, attempted to depict the scene on canvas, and while he made an excellent picture which would please the eye of anyone who had not seen the real thing, he found it impossible to convey an adequate idea of its best points. The picture, I think, is now either in the rooms of the Wisconsin Historical Society or in the Cochrane Gallery of Washington. One of the noticeable results of a game of this kind played on a virgin prairie was the great number of huge snakes the players would kill. I have seen as many as would load a wagon piled up after a game, some of them ten or twelve feet long. They were called in those days bull snakes, and were considered of the constrictor species, but not venomous. End of section 15